Good morning, good afternoon, Richmond. It's 12 noon and I'm Awad. You're listening to the new sports radio 910 The Fan now at 105.1 FM back here in Richmond broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck as you can catch me here every Monday recapping all of the college football. Virginia Tech beats UVA. How about that wild finish between Alabama and Auburn? Commanders played on Thursday, so we'll touch on the Commanders a little bit and Jack Del Rio being fired. But, of course, recapping the NFL Sunday slate and getting you guys set for Monday night football. But first, I wanted to start by recapping my trip. In case you missed it last week, I went to Disney World for the ESPN Events Invitational in Orlando, Florida for an awesome tournament that featured... Six of the eight schools that were in the NCAA tournament last year, including FAU, who went to the Final Four. They've got all their talent from last year, and they won the dang thing with three wins in four days. But it was surprising to me that they beat Virginia Tech in the finals. Great three-game stretch there by Virginia Tech. The Hokies, Hunter Cador, Sean Padula, uh, they won their first game, uh, really hard-fought game against Boise State. And then game two against Iowa State, they had an early lead. And Iowa State had a ton of fans in the crowd. I mean, more fans than anybody there. I think if you ranked it, you'd probably say Iowa State was number one by far. And then number two, you know, maybe FAU uh, who traveled well. Maybe Boise State. And then probably VCU at number three or number four because they had a lot of fans there. Tech had a decent number of fans. Um, I appreciate all the Hokies fans that wanted to spend their Thanksgiving there in Orlando. We had a great time. But Virginia Tech against Iowa State, had a 10-point lead, and Iowa State was rocking in the second half, cutting it to 8, to 7, to 6, to 5, and then Sean Padula hit one of the most clutch threes I've ever seen with a guy's hand in his face, and the Hokies got the win and advanced to Sunday's championship game against FAU. FAU just too strong, so they win that and become champions. But it was all about the last place game, the 10:30 tip-off yesterday between VCU and Penn State. Ryan Odom new coach here at VCU, and our former head coach, Mike Rhodes. And all the players said the right things. Hey, it's just another game. We just got to fight hard. We got to play for 40 minutes. But I know being a VCU alum, being part of this fan base, uh, being in Richmond here, this game was much more than that. This was a revenge game. This was all of a sudden Penn State's our enemy now because they stole our coach. They stole our A-10 player of the year, Ace Baldwin, who I respect his decision, but if he plays one more season in VCU, he's going to have his jersey probably hung up in the rafters. I mean, he was the A-10 player of the year and defensive player of the year, and he took his buddy Nick Kern with him. So this meant war. But you know the moniker. You don't want to go to war with the Rams. Don't start no stuff. Won't be no stuff. Penn State started the stuff. They got the first technical. Then Kwani Kwani got a tech. Then both benches got a tech. The game was chippy. I will say I I was disappointed that Disney decided to hire Mickey, Minnie, and Goofy to ref the final game there because they just couldn't get any call right. There were 13 fouls on VCU in the first half. There were 10 on Penn State. It continued in the second half. It was chippy. It was anytime you went to the basket, they blew a whistle. It was stop, start, stop, start. But amidst all of that, stop, start, was Fats Billups pulling up from three over and over and over again. And he had his breakout game in a Ram uniform. We, we've heard all about Fats Billups, uh, one of the high school players of the year at Verina was really highly anticipated to be playing on the VCU roster last year that won the A-10, but he got hurt early in the season, and lucky for Ram Nation, 
they were able to redshirt him. So the redshirt freshman led the way with 23 points in the win over Penn State. Three-point shot after three-point shot. And this was a game in which the Rams were very shorthanded. We know Joe Bantmasil is out because the NCAA has that crazy waiver that they won't accept. We know Sean Barstow is out now. Hopefully we're on Barstow watch now. Maybe another week or a week and a half until he can return. I saw a photo of him taking shots without a boot on, and he's going to be a big, impactful player on the roster when he can return. Uh, I think he'll be the starting small forward or power forward, and he can also carry the ball up the court. He was the statistical leader in preseason with points, rebounds, and assists. That's the kind of player that they've been missing because of an injury. So record aside, VCU will be much better when they get Sean Barristow back. Then Jason Nelson, who has... Been a very pleasant surprise. The transfer from Richmond, played last year for the Spiders, of course from Richmond, went uh, transferred to VCU after going to John Marshall in high school there, and he has been such a bright spot off the bench. He's our spark of energy uh, when the team is down. He can hit the three-point shot. He's been great defensively, getting steals, running back on defense, getting into passing lanes, and being a catalyst of kind of forcing the Rams to play some kind of up-pace fast tempo offense and it it was great to watch him play and then in the game against Boise State you saw him get hit on the wrist or thumb and he immediately was holding it and I'm like oh no that's not good he toughed it out because that's what athletes do and played through the rest of that game and then was ruled out of the Penn State game with that sprained right wrist and thumb so the, the Rams were without three guys in this game against Penn State and Fats Billup stepped up in a big way Zeb Jackson who had the game-tying shot attempt against Boise State fall short, he had a moment after the game where he was standing there on the sidelines with Darius Theus looking at an empty gym, an empty court, and you could tell he was going through it emotionally. He wanted to put the team on his back. He wanted to hit that shot. He's not just a leader. He's a captain. He's a point guard for the Rams this year. And I loved the coaching by Darius Theus, taking him under his wing, being an older brother. And I walked by them when they were having that moment, and he said, take a deep breath. You will respond from this. And Zeb totally responded. I thought he was much better than Ace Baldwin in that matchup between the two, even though Ace had more points. He lived at the free throw line, while Zeb Jackson was living all around the court. Reverse layups, um, mid-range jump shots, three-point shots. He was getting to wherever he wanted on the spot uh, on the court, and hitting his shots. It was an awesome display there. Nearly a triple-double as well. I believe he had eight rebounds and seven assists. He just had a terrific game. And then Max Sholga has been a guy that the Rams can count on, and the combination of those three guys led to VCU getting the victory over Penn State. And unlike, you know, the first, what was it, six games of the season, this one was a blowout. This one was said and done with with about four minutes to go as Fats Billups hit another three-point shot there. And uh, VCU was able to cruise to victory over Coach Rhodes, Ace Baldwin, and Nick Kern. And talked to Coach Odom about it after the game. I I mean, I said, look, I I went to VCU here. I know how big of a win this was for this program, for this fan base. Um, But, you know, he took the high road saying, we love Ace Baldwin. He won us a championship. We love Nick Kern for what he did in his years with VCU. And Coach Rhodes, we're appreciative of him. Coach Rhodes said the exact same thing. I thought it was kind of funny. He said, I want VCU to win every single game except for this one. Well, they won that one, Coach, and the fan base was fired up on social media. Phone lines are open throughout the show, 833-804-0910, 833 
800-804-0910. Ben Brown, Benjamin Brown, will join us. He's a data and analytics guy for the NFL. will join us at 1230, uh, talk about all those crazy games last night, like how did the Eagles come back to defeat the Bills. That game went on and on and on. Eagles win in overtime, 37-34. The Ravens clutch victory on Sunday night football, thanks to Zay Flowers. And then David Harrison to recap the Commanders. Thanksgiving disaster to the Dallas Cowboys and where we're at now in the wake of Jack Del Rio losing his job. I hate to say that I'm happy someone lost their job, but Jack Del Rio was enemy number two. Number one for me is still Ron Rivera, right? I mean, I've been saying I kind of want to boycott this team and don't even watch until Ron Rivera gets fired. Uh, NFL Nation had a whole report today that just came out. Is Ron Rivera going to last in Washington? No. What is the national media talking about? Everybody in the three-state, tri-state area knows that Ron Rivera is a dead man walking. This was a lame duck season. He's got no chance of holding on. He's lost the locker room. The team hasn't shown up the last three games. It's done for Ron Rivera. And I've said over and over again, I want to get rid of him now. I want to give somebody else an opportunity and try to build some kind of momentum for next season. Josh Harris seems to disagree, and he's going to hang on to Ron for the rest of this year, and then probably uh, the day after the Super Bowl, Ron will be sent packing. So we'll talk with David Harrison at 1.30, Benjamin Brown at 12.30. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. It's AWOD back here in Richmond, broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck after six days in Orlando, Florida. I want to eventually get to my trip recap here because it went from a 10 out of a 10, the best trip of my life, to an effing nightmare real quick. Maybe we'll tell that story coming up next. Phone lines are always open, 833-804-0910. If you got a question for AWOD, call me now, 833-804-0910. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. You can join me for a beer and check out the show as I am live and local from 12 to 3 p.m. here at Capital L Innsbruck. Always available on the go on the free Odyssey app. It's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Download today. It gives you the ability to pause the show, rewind, and then pick up right where you left off. And where we left off last segment was talking about Fats Billups, Zeb Jackson fueling VCU as they race past Penn State to an 86-74 victory. Yes, it was the last place game. Yes, it was a 10.30 a.m. tip-off, but it felt so good to get that win as redshirt freshman Fats Billups exploded for 14 of his career high, 23 in the second half. Zeb Jackson with 22, Max Scholga with 19 with the Rams. When the Rams have a third score outside of Zeb Jackson and Max Scholga, that is when they have been at their best this season and uh, that was a huge win. Like I mentioned, Billups nailed all four of his three-point attempts in the second half and gave VCU a 14-point lead with 3.53 to go in the second half. He was terrific as the Rams played great defense uh, on Penn State, but I was really impressed with the offense. I mean, Coach Rhodes had a, had a stupid, I mean, and it was stupid, a stupid graphic that said Happy Valley Havoc. And, of course, now all of Ram Nation has responded to that. Havoc still lives here in Richmond, Virginia. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open. 
It's 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. Let's go to the phone lines here. Stubb, who do we have on line one? Who's calling into AWOD Radio? We got D-Rock in Richmond. D-Rock, you're on the fan with AWOD. <clears throat> AWOD, what's up, man? How are you doing today, man? Hey. I'm doing great, man. Uh, being a horrible Commanders fan, watching that awful game on Thanksgiving, and then being a VCU fan, watching those first two games were some brutal losses. But, you know, all class from Coach, all class from Fats. I listened to the post-game press conference, or I listened to Robbie Robinson talk to both of them. And, you know, they ch- – they chalked it up as just another game. Obviously, a lot of respect out to Mike Rose and everything, but you and I both know that it didn't feel that way for the VCU fans. It was a rough weekend up until that point. Everything felt like it got a race when we kicked that ass that day, yesterday. Yeah. So um, it was a great, it was a great game. Great game watching Fats get after it like that. That's a game that we've been waiting for him to have, especially with the other guys going off like they've been going off, or at least Zeb and Max Shulga, but. Man, if Fats can really take it over like that with Bearso coming back, it finally looks good. Those first two games were rough. Those were some of the – that Iowa State game was a tough one to swallow. But, man, the uh, the group chat was buzzing. I can tell you that nobody was well, let- nobody was being that respectful in the group chat afterwards as uh, Fats and Coach were. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's a great point, man. And, and you know what? The uh, uh, I'll tell you what I thought was the difference, and you tell me your thoughts, but – Fast break points, VCU with 20-12. to 12. In the first two games, VCU couldn't get double digits fast break points, right? Iowa State was getting back on defense. Boise State was slowing it down and not letting VCU get out and run. So they were able to do that against Penn State. When you get some easy buckets like that in transition, you know, we, we talked about the Fats Billups and one layup. It just helps your offense so much. And then bench points, 36-23. to 23. And, of course, a lot of that was Fats. What did you think was the difference, D-Rock? I'd say that I, you know what, man, the speed. Like I don't, I don't feel like I've seen Fat play with that sort of quickness. But like you talk about that, and one, he just blew past eighth ball one, and that's not somebody that people just blow past. <laughs> so the speed, and that kind of plays into the transition, the transition offense. We were just getting after it. Everybody was hustling. It looked like we were on. It looked like we were playing in fast forward. You know, it, it was crazy to watch. Yeah, another thing I wanted to point out was free throws. VCU, 22 of 28. That's a great percentage. Max Scholga, 10 of 10. Penn State could have made this interesting if they hit their three point uh, their free throws. They were 23 of 35. And that's kind of typical of Coach Rhodes' squads is that they play so hard defensively, they struggle at the free throw line. We saw that the last three, four years here in Richmond. I was about to say, you know, that's we know that all too well for a long time. As free throw shooting has always killed us. And, you know, the free throw shooting in the first two games, you know, I love Max Huga is a great free throw shooter, but it seems like I don't know if he did it in the Iowa State game and the Boise State game, but I'm pretty sure the Iowa State game he missed the front end of that one and one. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's just one, but it's still it'll kill you. You know, we've we've seen that year in and year out, so it's great to see us win a game where we just lock down the free throw shooting. I'm with you. Good call, D Rock. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Take it easy. Thanks. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. You can be the point guard of this seg- this segment, 833-804-0910. Let's go to the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, bringing in Michael Phillips. What's going on, MP? I love your point about the fast break points, but also I think that's been one of the things that's frustrated me most 
about this offense this year is they get the fast break and it's a bad pass or an errant pass or a missed alley-oop, whatever it is. It was good to see them on point, precise, hitting the passes, making the extra pass. Those are really important things down the stretch. Michael, did it look as cool on TV as it did in person with multiple times Zeb Jackson and Michael Bell slapping the floor defensively against Penn State? <laughs> they were synchronized. That was the best part. They were, they were right there. They were synchronized. Um, dude, I, I, I mean, if there's a bone to pick, I, I'm sure you'll go back and watch. It was a rough TV production. Um, the Boise State <laughs> game, the announcers were, were literally could not have been less interested in being there. Like a it was a Marshawn Lynch, I'm just here so I don't get fined, night night for the announcers. Um, it, 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 it was tough to watch at times, but you could hear the VCU fans coming through on the broadcast. I just, you know, as, as they, these groups plan these tournaments and these events and think about who to invite, they factor in things like fan support. And I think VCU showed again they've got a great crowd that will travel to these things and is a great choice. Yeah, for me, the best part about the Boise State game was – I was sitting next to Greg Odom, and I was, like, starstruck. I mean, I, yeah. I talked to him a little bit. He is so humongous, and he looks like he's <laughs> 60 years old. And he's old school, too. He was wearing, like, slides and taking notes with a piece of paper and a pen. And uh, he was. He, I asked him, what do you think of ECU? And he goes, they've got size and length. <laughs> Just like yeah, you, Greg I, Odom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would know size and length. Uh, Fran Frischilla had a very nice tweet about VCU. Um, you know, these, these events, that's kind of the last – chance to get maybe the memphis game counts too of, of having a national stage you know until the big a10 games and i do think they made the most of it in that regard that you know when you get to a10 play and these guys are on tv having to give a 10 second soundbite against vcu I, I think they left a positive impression overall oh absolutely and vcu as a whole shoots 53 percent in the first half they shot 62 percent they were attacking the basket and getting layups, not really settling for the three-point shots unless it was the three-point shooters. And that's what I, I think, uh, you know, I don't know if Coach Odom made that an emphasis, but it was like, man, if you are not comfortable with your shot, don't throw it up there. Go drive it in and try to get fouled, try to get to the basket, get the big men involved. And 8 of 15 from the free th- uh, from the three-point line is just so impressive. And, of course, most of that – was Fats Billups, but I do need I do want to spotlight Michael Bell because I just yes. I love watching this kid. He is he is there defensively and with rebounding. Like he is there. He looks like he's going to the next level. Offensively, it feels like we get a spark here and there. He's closer every game. He's figuring it out. He had one play where he stole the ball and then completely missed a left hand layup. If he if he has that again, he's gonna knock it down, you know, and there's just there's so much potential with Michael Bell. Oh, fantastic observation there. Love to see Fat Billups get going, obviously, but I don't have to shout him out. He shouted himself out 23 points in that effort. You, you do wonder when Bearstow comes back what it's going to look like and what this, you know, can this team take a next step with him? And you never want a team to be dependent on one guy, so I think ultimately there are positives to having this time without him. But the way Shulga takes over games, you know, Bearstow's going to have that too. He's going to be the guy who takes the big shots, and they miss that right now. Uh, and, and so I think there's a lot of optimism of what's coming around the corner, the ability of these guys to do it. But, yeah, I, I think a lot of our preseason conversation centered around, like, hey, this is a guy, Coach Odom here, who's going to green light any good-looking three-point shot pretty much by anybody. You, you know, a lot of guys had a green light. And I think the revised version of that now is, hey, that's still true, but I don't think you're working hard enough to get a better shot to get the ball inside the paint. And we, we saw steps towards that 
in Orlando. And we saw steps towards an offense that really works more cohesively together, works to get the ball inside and then back out as opposed to just, here's a three, I'm open, let it rip. Can we do better than this? Can we get a better shot than this? And they did. They found a lot of better shots than that yesterday against Penn State. Yeah, and I think that starts with Zeb Jackson, right? He forced up probably too many threes against Iowa State and Boise State, two of five from three-point land against uh, Penn State. That's where we want him. But he was attacking the basket and using his athleticism. And, and there were times where Ace Baldwin just could not guard Zeb Jackson. He had this really nice up-and-under layup or reverse layup, uh, another one in transition, and finished the game with 22 points. But you mentioned Sean Bairstow. Here's how I think the lineup changes when Bairstow returns. I think the starting five stays the same except Kwani Kwani moves to a bench roll and Barristow steps in there as the starting small forward or power forward alongside Michael Bell and Furman down low. And although Toby has played so well, like I think my closing unit includes Jason Nelson who comes off the bench, will include Toby. Uh, but I think you got to keep Furman as the starting center because he's really showing you there's a lot of bright side there. There is a lot of potential with Christian Furman and he's played good enough to stay as the starting center in my mind. Yeah, and as we talk about this being you know, one of the contrasts between this team and the Microds team, the, these guys seem to really feed off of each other, enjoy being around each other. Um, you know, not, not that the Rhodes teams didn't, but there, there's definitely more of that with this year's group. And I think Christian Furman's a big part of that. He's always smiling. He's always having fun. Uh, I think he's a great distributor, a, a great guy to have out there on the court playing those minutes, and, and I do love – the thought of him continuing to be out there. You mentioned Kwani Kwani maybe being a guy who, who will see his role reduced. Uh, he just hasn't got the shot going. Um, we know he yeah. can, statistically speaking. We know he's capable of it, uh, but we're, we're seven games in now. Uh, we've got enough of a sample size to say something's just not going right there. He's not getting this job done. Yeah, no, you're right. But with Christian Furman, I almost feel like it's like uh, when your team wins the Super Bowl, but you were the backup quarterback. Right, like he was celebrating last year, winning the A-10, yeah. rightfully so. But he he knows deep down that he wasn't a big part of that team. He might have been in the locker room, he might have been in practice, but not on the box score, not in the stat sheet. And so I think he is hungry to make a huge impact this season, and you're seeing that hunger on the court. Michael, thanks so much for joining the show, man. I appreciate it. Good times. Yep, always fun to do a little crosstalk with MP. You can hear him Monday through Friday from 10 to 12 noon. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Happy Monday, everybody. It's November 27th, and we are live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck, as you can check me out here every Monday, live and local from 12 to 3 p.m., recapping the college football Talking a little Commanders and the NFL slate and getting you set for Monday night football. And there's a, a decent game tonight. Uh, I know Stubbs going to be watching because you're a big Josh Dobbs fan now, and it's the Minnesota Vikings against the Chicago Bears. What do you think? Does jo Josh Dobbs get another win for the Vikings, put them into playoff territory? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's Bears aren't looking good enough. I think they yeah. got it. They've beat better I mean, teams the than the Bears. Now, the thing is, is that the Bears did play well against the Lions last week. Remember, we talked about that. The Bears were one of your winners of the week because they had the lead for most of that game, and Justin Fields was really good running the ball, 18 carries for 104 yards, also threw a touchdown pass and 169 yards. Uh, so I think 
if Justin Fields plays like he did last week, I do think the Bears will win this game. Uh, but you know what? It's in Minnesota, and they're favored to win this game by three points. So at home by, by three, that means that Vegas pretty much uh, looks at it as a pick em game. But joining us right now to go around the NFL here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is Benjamin Brown. What's going on, Ben? Yeah, what's up, Epstein? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. I was appreciate it. hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I, I did, man. Yeah, it's been a while since we've talked to you. So uh, let me just start with that. Who was the most impressive, impressive team of Thanksgiving weekend in your mind? Ooh, that is, that is a good question. I do think, you know, kind of your, you know, leading indicator in some ways about the Bears playing well against the Lions last week. I think for me, I thought the most impressive performance probably happened very early on on Thanksgiving. I think the Packers and Jordan Love in a lot of ways. There were obviously some other impressive performances, I would say, throughout the Thanksgiving weekend. But to me, you know, what they've kind of been able to figure out, I would say, with like the deep ball percentage throws that he actually has, they do have a lot of young, intriguing receivers. And the fact that they kind of, I would say, jumped all over Detroit right away and, and kind of controlled the entire game, uh, I very much think that they are in some ways getting back into the thick of the playoff picture for that seventh yeah. seed in the NFC. And I think overall, you know, the, the dominated win against the Detroit Lions you either have to say, well, the Packers are a lot better than what we projected, or it's the other side of the coin. It's very much, you know, Detroit, in, in a lot of ways, probably isn't anywhere close to these other top-tier teams, I would say, in the NFC. And I do think it has to be one of those two things kind of coming out of that Thursday morning matchup. Yeah, I mean, the Packers looked really good, and they have put themselves now in the playoff conversation. And if Minnesota loses, it heightens that for sure. But I'm going to chalk this down to, hey, yes, it's Thanksgiving, it's prime time. But it's also Thursday football. Uh, the Lions didn't have all week to prep for that game, and they they laid an egg. Uh, but how about that Eagles-Bills game yesterday? My goodness, that was fantastic. They changed the overtime rules to help Josh Allen. He still loses. Right. Yeah, I would say definitely, you know, not only game of the week for that from that angle, probably the game of the regular season so far in a lot of ways. You know, Philadelphia's been, I would say, unbelievable in playing from behind in a lot of ways. And in some ways, I think, you know, that's, that's maybe the, the the thing that people are still kind of holding against them. But the fact that they have been so good in coming from behind all season, I think maybe speaks to an ability to win in crucial spots. And I think that was maybe the missing piece to what they had last year. So although it could be viewed as a negative, I think overall, you know, long-term, especially with some of the battles that they're going to have in the NFC playoff pitcher, and then maybe if they do get to the Super Bowl, like the ability and – willingness to play from behind and play really well from behind, I think could actually carry them forward. And I think in some ways makes the longevity and the hopeful Super Bowl aspirations even more apparent than where they were at last year. No, I totally agree. Now at 10-1, and one, they, they certainly look like the best team in the NFC, if not in the entire NFL. I kind of, uh, it, it you know pains me to say this as a Commanders fan, but I kind of feel like they might cruise uh, back to at least the NFC Championship game with a chance to play for the Super Bowl. Last year, you know, people were hard on them, and, and they viewed it as a negative, saying, oh, the Eagles are only playing with leads. They're so good when they're playing with a lead. The one time they were playing from behind against Washington, they lost that game. Well, this year, they've been able to do it the other way, right? Playing from behind. So I just I think it shows you how much of a complete team they are. On the flip side, though, Buffalo is now 6-6. Six and six. Do you have Buffalo outside of the playoffs come the end of the season? Yeah, I think it's going to be really tough for them to obviously, you know, get in. I would say, you know, obviously the AFC has been 
probably maybe in a lot of ways not as good as what we projected in the preseason, especially given, you know, the, the top-heavy projections that we had with them. But, yeah, I think I have them right now with like a 22% chance of making the playoffs, 11.7% chance of actually winning the AFC East. So I think from that angle, like, they have a long ways to go. And I think the big reason for that is, you know, and the reason why I am so low on them, is the strength of schedule, right? I don't think there's any team in football that has a more difficult remaining stretch of games than what the Buffalo Bills had. In a lot of ways, you know, this was not necessarily a must-win game, but for their playoff hopes and everything else, like, it it was a really big letdown to be going in, you know, 10 points into half and and still letting the game kind of slip away for them. So I have them on the outside looking in. I think there's just enough other quality teams in the AFC uh, that have a lot easier path in order to get there. And to me, you know, the Ken Dorsey firing and moving on and having Joe Brady kind of call plays, I do think elevates them offensively, but I think they've kind of overachieved defensively, and I'm just not sure we're going to see that continue through the second half of the season like it has in the first half. How about the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson, Ben? Now five wins in a row over the Cleveland Browns. I mean, have they figured things out, or are they just playing easy opponents? I mean, last two weeks, Cleveland... Uh, doesn't have a great quarterback. Vikings don't have a great quarterback. The week before that was the Bills. Josh Allen really struggled. Yes, they beat the Chiefs. I mean, are you believing in the Broncos right now? I would say I, I, I and I did start from a place of being so low on the Broncos, and in some ways I felt so right to the first you know four or five game stretch of the season, and then I've very much been wrong. I would say going back to the Minnesota Vikings game, like. A high number of turnovers definitely broke in their direction. Kind of like you said, Cleveland Browns, like Dorian Thompson-Robinson, didn't really play, I would say, all that well. So to me, uh, although I like them, like we have Russell Wilson kind of on the verge of like playing as like a top 10 quarterback. I think he's like eighth overall from an EPA perspective. So I think to really, I would say, compete with the top teams in the AFC, they probably need to get him into the, the top five discussion. And I'm just not quite sure we're going we're we're gonna to get a much better version of Russell Wilson than what we're currently getting here this five-game stretch. So I think he kind of tops out in that, you know, eight to 10 range, which given if they do have, you know, a strong defense, which they should on paper, that could at least get them to a playoff first. But I would really be surprised if they were kind of able to, in some ways, maybe pull off an upset if they do actually end up getting into the playoffs. So to me, I still think it's probably a sell even after this five-game winning streak. Benjamin Brown with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Ben underscore R underscore Brown underscore on social media. NFL data scientists. What kind of stats are you looking at from last week and maybe moving forward to the next week? Yeah, it's a, it was a, you know it was an interesting one. Obviously, you know, still trying to pull apart all the things. To me, like you know, even in a loss, I would say um, you know the, the uh, you know CJ Stroud in particular. I was kind yeah. of on the Jags side of things, but. I think even kind of coming out of that game, like he did really nothing wrong and he made a ton of throws and they did get, I would say the the best version of Trevor Lawrence that we've probably seen at the NFL level in so many ways had a really strong, you know, play on that. And then although CJ Stroud has maybe had a few turnover worthy type plays and things like that the last couple of weeks, like he's a legitimate bona fide star in a lot of ways already. And I do think that Houston Texans team has not only arrived ahead of schedule, but I do think the gap between them and the Jags is a lot tighter than what people are even projecting right now. And I very much think that they could in some ways be very much in the driver's seat by next season. 
Stubb, get on the mic here for a second. So, Ben, my producer, Christopher, he goes by Stubb, has become a Vikings fan this season, and I know you have been a Vikings fan for your entire life. So teach him a little bit of the chance. Tell him uh, what he should be looking for in tonight's game and how to be a true Vikings fan. Oh, man, it's, I mean, misery loves company, so I can't be more, I can't say I'm more ecstatic than hearing anything else. So, Stubbs, welcome on board the bandwagon. We've already got a couple broken wheels on board. It's going to be a complete disaster. I would expect heartbreak <laughs> at the worst times possible. But, you know, to me, for what I'm watching tonight, I do think Josh Dobbs, you know, in a lot of ways has kind of at least provided a new wrinkle to what they had with Kirk Cousins at quarterback. Obviously, the you know the rushing ability and those sorts of things. Being able to extend under pressure, I think, is something that is really going to help them if they do get Justin Jefferson back in the fold. He's inactive, of course, so I do think they still are going to have a really strong receiving unit, and once he's kind of back in the fold, they could make that playoff push. But to me, kind of like you guys said before I got on air, like this is very much going to come down to keeping Justin Fields in the pocket is, is, is Brian Flores going to blitz at such a high rate as he has the first half of the season, looking at close to, you know, 40 to 50% blood, blitz rate? Like, if that happens, we could see Justin Fields break one or two long runs. So I am looking at, you know, Justin Fields probably over his rushing prop, over his longest rushing yardage prop as well, uh, and any one particular rush. Because I do think if he breaks off one or two, this could be a, a really long game. And if the Vikings don't win the turnover battle, uh, I think they could easily emerge on the wrong side of this matchup on Monday night. Well, Dobbs uh, brought stuff. me in, so uh, I'm hoping for the best. <laughs> right, right. You'd love to hear it. You'd love to hear it. Well, welcome on board. I can't say that I uh, agree with the decision, but, uh, you know, like <laughs> I said, it's always, it's, always a faithful, it's always great to have a few more people in our corner for sure because we definitely need that. Yeah, skull, skull, right? Isn't that skull. what he needs that's to be chanting? That's the chance. That's the chance. Yeah. yeah, I got some family members going to be there uh, on Monday Night Football. Thankfully, I, I like to enjoy the game from the comforts of my own home and not have to, you know, get get decked out in the face paint and everything else and, and <laughs> chant skull for three hours, unfortunately. So it's just not my cup of tea at this point in my life. Yeah, yeah, Stubb, that's a good point. Maybe you should put face paint on and, and do the whole Vikings chant. It's <laughs> a big change that's of personality for me, but I think I can do it. <laughs> oh, man. Ben, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now, 105.1 FM. Welcome back. Happy Monday, everybody. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open throughout the show. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Uh, just a little heads up. At 1 p.m. on the Richmond Commander, we will remember the late, great Sean Taylor, who passed away on this date. One of my favorite Redskins players of all time. We'll honor him at 1 p.m on the Richmond Commander. But, Stubb, right now I wanted to recap my trip to Disney for the ESPN Events Invitational. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about it on Friday, right? I mean, um, got didn't get my Thanksgiving meal. That's okay. I got to go out to Disney Springs and the City Walk. Had some great food at these amazing restaurants. Uh, I did uh, a beer at every single spot in Universal. That was really fun, doing, like, my own little bar crawl uh, by myself. And, uh, you know, met up with a ton of VCU fans. Uh, met up with the, the godfather, Bobby Gary's father, uh, who's been going to VCU games for a long, long time. And there's so many great Ram fans that traveled to Disney. And we're already talking about our next trip is going to be 
Brooklyn for the A-10 tournament. Uh, but, man, it was such a great trip. Disney was awesome. And then Universal yesterday. So yesterday, it was the best day of the whole trip, right? We get up early. VCU beats Penn State. I'm fired up. Went out and had a beer and a burger and then headed to Universal Studios uh, where Skip from Club D3 had gotten me a ticket for the day. And uh, so first thing we do when we get in there was the Minions uh, Blast ride, all right? And this was like the Buzz Lightyear ride that I loved, was obsessed with as a kid when I went to Disney World, which is you go through this like moving kind of like movie theater with screens on either side and you have a like a gun, a blaster, and it like shows up like uh, like a sniper on the wall. And so you're shooting all these little things and you're collecting a score. And uh, I was playing with Skip's son, Ryan, and he... he smoked me the first time we went through it but I had so much fun you know you're you're like crouching down you're leaning up you're shooting things on the wall as you're going through this kind of obstacle course thing and uh, that was a ton of fun and then we uh, went over to the Harry Potter world area the I think it's called Diagon Alley or something like that that was really cool just to see everyone like dressed up you know, I everybody fully commits when they go to Disney and Universal. That was, I mean, when I was at Disney, everybody's wearing Mickey ears. When I was at Universal, everybody's rocking Harry Potter or something like that. And uh, it was just, it was a blast, man. So we went through the Harry Potter spot, went on the Jimmy Fallon ride, um, did the Men in Black ride as well. I mean, just had a blast. And then I was like, all right, we have to do Disney fully. How do you, or, or Universal fully, right? So number one, you got to do a ride. All right, check that. Give me a ding. Number two, I was like, you got to eat some food or drinks there, right? Got a burger and and a drink from one of the f- special spots there, Burger Box, something like that. And then number three, I wanted to play a game. And so they had my favorite game in King's Dominion, the little hop-a-shot thing, and uh, was able to knock down two shots to get me a little Millhouse toy to bring home with me uh, from the Simpsons world. So check, played a game, and then... We wanted to go see a show. Stub, did you see me post my show on Instagram or Twitter? Did you I, see I what took the place there? I saw tweet, but I did not uh, watch the video yet. Okay. So, oh, oh, here we go. So, live reaction from Stub. So, I am at this show, and it was called like Animals, La- Animals on Location. And it was all about how all these... Gr- great animal actors show up in movies like they had the the dog from men in black the, the exact dog that played in men in black <laughs> no <laughs> have, you ever heard, That's awesome. have you heard about that yeah so they they had all these other they had this dog that was uh trying out for a movie next week they had this parrot that was in some movie i'd never heard of and stuff and so they have this uh like animal trainer and she teaches these dogs all these tricks right in front of you. And she, she kind of explains how they do it when they're on set. She says you put a little marker on the ground. And these dogs are trained to stay there for as many as five hours or so. Uh, because they're so well trained. And, of course, you're, you're feeding them treats. And it was just a ton of fun. Dogs are running in and out of the of the set there. It's a big live audience. And then she stops the show and says, I need a volunteer. We need an adult who would like to be part of the show. And so... I'm like, oh, that was my favorite thing as a kid was to be a part of the shows when I went to King's Dominion or something like that. So I immediately shot my hand up in the air, and she goes, how about the uh, big doofus in the gray sweatshirt talking about me? All right. So I'm like, yes. And she's like, all right, do you have a dollar bill in your pocket? And I said, yes. She said, take out that dollar bill, fold it up, and hold it in your hand, your right arm, and take your right arm and hold it all the way to the right side of your body, leave it out. And she said, the bird is going to come and take the dollar from you. <laughs> and so this giant 
white bird with like beautiful white bird with like uh, yellow and blue hair on the top. I mean, it was the, the uh, beautiful bird ever. Flies over through everyone in the audience, lands on my arm, and I'm like shaking <laughs> at this point, right? And he eats the dollar out of my hand or puts it in his mouth, and he flies back to the trainer. And then the trainer gets another bird out and, and gives him the dollar and says, all right, this bird is going to return you the dollar. <laughs> and so she goes, she goes, all right, put both am- arms out now so you have a bigger target. And the bird flew right to me, landed on my arm, and returned the dollar bill. And it was, it was, a, it was just so much fun. Uh, and then we did the Minions Blast Ride once again, and I knew what I was doing in this one. Like I said, the Buzz Lightyear shooting game was my best when I was a kid, so I felt like a kid again. And I broke the high score for the day at Universal. And it's it was probably because the Macy's Parade was going on, so it was less crowded. And so usually it's like, you know, one person every two feet. But there was no one behind me. So I was able to keep, like, turning and shooting behind and shooting. I mean, I was, like, in Call of Duty mode on the ride. I broke the high score for the day. It was uh, so much fun. And um, after the ride, uh, we went to the gift shop, and I bought all these things because uh, uh, Skip's son, who works for Universal, gets 50% off. So, Stub, you might even have a gift coming to no you tomorrow way. when I get back to <laughs> studio. Uh, I mean, it was just it was so much fun uh, there at Disney and Universal. So the trip was a 10 out of 10. But I told you guys on the opening segment that the trip took a turn real quick. From a 10 out of 10, I don't know how much I want to drop it down, but it was a nightmare. As I got to the Orlando airport at 7.30 for a 9 o'clock flight, that turned into a 10 o'clock flight because of a delay. So you go through TSA, and, of course, TSA tells me, oh, you got to take your laptop out. And then they pull my backpack aside. Maybe it's because of the Millhouse toy or something. But they, <laughs> they went through everything. And I was like, look, I, I told you guys I have microphones and chargers in there, and you didn't want me to take them out. But So they had to look through my entire backpack for 15 minutes. It was so frustrating. Put everything back together, and I went to the gate, and then – sitting on the airplane, and that was a nightmare because it was delayed after delayed. Then we go from Orlando to Charlotte. We get to Charlotte, and our flight is supposed to leave at 11.30. That becomes 12.15, which then becomes 12.45 after midnight, which then becomes 1.15. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And then it becomes 1.55. 1.55 last night was when we boarded the damn airplane. At 155. The airport was popping because every single flight seemed to be getting delayed. And I heard from a few VCU fans that stayed one more extra day that their flights are delayed today. So the Orlando airport's a mess. Charlotte was even worse. And, um, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm starting to get a headache. Uh, the final fly, uh, flight from Charlotte back to Richmond was the loudest flight ever. All right, and I don't know why, but there was there had to have been something going on with the engine where it was just cooking. It was so loud, and this woman next to me is freaking out. She screams, "Is this normal?" And a stewardess comes over and says, "It's not that big of a deal." I'm like, what, "Not that big of a deal? I'm so. Are we going down? What's going on here?" All right, you can't, you can't panic the crowd. I know, I know. Is this normal? It's not that big of a deal. It, it is to me, right? So I couldn't <laughs> fall asleep flights. on that flight. I hate flights so much. I'm, I'm shaking and uh, I'm, I'm sweating all over. And I will say it was like a 45-minute flight. It was so quick. But then, of course, we taxi for 25 minutes. By the time I got my bag 
and then got home. It was 3.50 a.m. last night. 3.50 a.m. Hate to hear it. Oh, yeah. Slept maybe three or four hours. Got up, got here to Capitol Ale House. Have all my bags. Thank goodness. My Comrex made it through the flight. My... um, Head f- headset made it through the, s- oh, through the flight. All the plugs and cords that I need for the radio show made it through the flight. So I open up my backpack, and I don't see my laptop. Stub, I left my laptop at TSA in Orlando. Oh, my goodness. This, this, this trip just went from a 10 out of 10 to a 1 out of 10. I can't do the show without a laptop. That's, that's tough. That's like so the what worst do I thing do? to lose. So what do I do? Do you have any ideas? Does, does the callers have any ideas? Is there a chance I could get my laptop back? Do I need to fly back to Orlando today to grab my laptop and pick it back up? What do I do? They can probably ship it. I mean, obviously the answer is just call them and see what yeah, can oh, happen. Oh, believe me. I tried to call them. I was on oh, hold God, 45 yeah. minutes before the show. That's not happening. I went online, and there was I, I filled out some kind of lost and found forum they haven't sent me an email yet. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, I mean, do you have any advice? Like, have you ever lost anything at an airport? I have not. Um, I Or if I have, it wasn't worth trying to retrieve. Right, uh, right. Yeah, you just got to keep calling. And yeah. I, I, I mean, you got to maybe do it on a day where it's not as packed after a, after a um, holiday. So maybe, you know, tomorrow it'll be less of a hold on the line. Yeah. But. Ugh. I mean, it's just I, I blame myself, right? But at the same time, TSA took the laptop out of my la- uh, backpack. They should be putting it back in. You know, they took everything out and they just kind of shoved it back together. And my my backpack was so full that I just assumed my laptop was back in it. Oh, I'm such a donk. I mean, just so upsetting to lose my laptop. Had an amazing trip. Uh, thanks to Club D3 Travel. Uh, I wonder if Club D3 Travel has any deals on new laptops because I might be. <laughs> On the lookout for one. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan.